Welcome, everybody, to episode six of Digesting Cinema with Aaron and Christina. I'm Aaron, and as always, I'm here with my co-host, Christina, and we have a special, special second guest, second is the best, and our first uh, schmodown guest, you know, aside from Christina, Miss Peggy Gubbins, uh, yet to be nicknamed. First, I'm going to go over to my co-host, Christina, or my host, Christina. I hate calling her my co-host. My host, Christina. How are you, Christina? I'm doing great. And I feel like in the theme of today, I feel like I should be the host because like, I'm obviously the powerful woman here in the relationship. Yeah. And I think that just mirrors what we're about to talk about today. Yeah. I mean, everybody's always like looking at our podcast coupling and being like, how did he get her? And Seriously. You know, so, I mean, talk about meta. Uh, and then over to our guest for the day, uh, already uh probably questioning what she's gotten herself into, but I know she's one of our many fans, Miss Peggy Gubbins. I'm going to stop calling you Miss now. Sorry. I don't know why I kept doing that. I'm excited to have you on. How are you, Peggy? I've been called worse, Aaron. I've been called worse. I'm doing great. This is one of my favorite recent rom-coms. I'm so glad you chose it for the podcast today, and I'm happy to be here with you. Yeah, and I will put my phone on the silent now, Tony. I'm sorry about that. Also, we are doing 2010s this week. It's the final decade before we get into a little more obscure topics, which uh, we're diving right into obscure next week with silent movies. But 2010s is this week, and we are covering 2019's long shot directed by Jonathan Levine. So this is, again, we seem with like the decade movies to choose towards the end of the decade, which I think makes more sense. It's like kind of solidified kind of what makes the past decade that decade. But Longshot was not one on my radar originally looking into this. So I'm excited to talk about this. But before, where you're... Uh, Synopsis thoughts, Christina. Come on, give us one. And all right, well, we're going to thank IMDb for their current synopsis on this one, where journalist Fred Flarsky reunites with his childhood crush Charlotte Field, now one of the most influential women in the world. As she prepares to make a run for the presidency, Charlotte hires Fred as her speechwriter, and sparks fly. Yeah, this is uh, a shocking pick for Peggy, a rom com. Yeah, so uh, off brand. Yeah, if you're at all familiar with Peggy, you know that rom-coms are her jam, so to speak. I'm uh, excited to talk about this one, and we're definitely going to have some poignant scenes to go over. Yeah, I was um, surprised you hadn't seen this one yet, Aaron. Yeah, I'm a huge Seth Rogen fan, too, and I just have a really bad tendency, which I'm working on, of thinking that I know more than everybody. And I thought that I knew this movie before seeing it by being like, ah, I've kind of seen this premise before. I've lived this life of outkicking my coverage anyway, so like, I'm very sensitive to when it's portrayed incorrectly because I just, you know, I'm a big believer in it. So I just felt I was like, Maybe Seth Rogen is, you know, trying to go a little more friendly here, but couldn't have been more off. And this was just a fantastic movie. I had a great time. I also live in Washington, D.C., so the politics angle really, it's hard for me sometimes to get into political movies. Like, so it was like a political rom-com, like maybe not what I want. That part of it was also really authentic living here in D.C. And yeah. All right. So let's just start at the beginning. Okay. Like opening scene. And I mean, I understand what we're going here that like hate groups, like they're literally that stupid. Like he's like, <laughs> I look, I was like, he's 
you know, the most Jewish looking person in the whole world. And they're just going on and about how they hate Jews. And they didn't even think to like do a quick Google search. I was so down with like, this is how the movie's going to start. Like, let's just come in swinging that we're just making fun of how dumb everybody is. Yeah. But then we kind of like never really got back to that. So I was like, I don't really know why that was our opening scene of like, I guess it was just a show that like, he's just always down to like fight the man. But like he jumped out of a window, hits a car, <laughs> like <laughs> is alive. And I'm like, wait, what is happening right now? <laughs> Yeah, the uh, the special effects on that were not the greatest, I will admit, when he hits the car and bounces off onto the sidewalk, but it worked for a comedic effect. Yeah, but I was yeah. just like, what? Is yeah, happening? I think this did set me up for a kind of a different expectation for the movie with that opening scene. Like, I was like, oh, I wasn't expecting this to be as, like, kind of, like, gross-out humor, like, slapstick humor, as, like, uh, knocked up or, like, kind of earlier, even, like, a Pineapple Express, like, style of, like, pratfalls and things like that, but, like, it gets pretty grounded quickly after that but yeah I, I think that there was a lot of commentary going on in this movie that i was pleasantly surprised to have i love when my movies make statements about the times they're taking place in and like i think that the time this movie was being made there was a lot of you know white supremacy in the news and there still is but i think particularly when this movie was being made probably in 2017 2018 that was like really in the news at the time so i think like the direct commentary and having julie mcjewerson i can say as a Jew uh, and Seth Rogen who is my lord and savior you know of course uh, I've looked up to him for most of my adult life I think this is just kind of a perfect setup for the movie but also I'm glad they didn't stick with this tone it got the energy going but quickly they set up the tone when O'Shea Jackson's Jr.'s character who I'm a huge fan of oh my yes. god now I understand why Peggy has talked he was amazing like yes. that side character is so hard to nail in rom-coms actual yeah. character every time i bring this movie up i bring up o'shea jackson jr without fail because he knocks the role of lance out of the park like that's the type of best friend that you want in your life like everybody wants that guy to be like mm -hmm. oh he was it was perfect it was great yeah there just wasn't jealousy it was just like pure embrace and like yeah. something that i think is like a really smart positive message that this movie is just sprinkled with it. it's so not cynical this movie there's cynical characters in the movie but they're pretty vilified those characters when they're like oh you can't be with this person because i mean they're and so it's like just so positive and I, it's just like embracing like bros supporting each other not being like jealous for each other and their exactly. successes is exactly. like he's Lance is rooting for Fred every step of the way. Not one ounce of jealousy, just wants the best for his best friend. And I loved it. And like the last thing on that, then we'll get more into it. But like, I like that so much of it doesn't take place with them as a face-to-face -face interaction. So a lot of times in like rom-coms when that happens, it's like they're on the phone and then they're like holding the phone down, like laughing with the rest of their office about it. Like he never is laughing at his friend here. Like he is so supportive of him. And it frankly reminds me, my best friend, you know, it's just like, yeah, this movie really hit close to home from the jump with it being in DC to so much more of it, like literally. Back to you, Christina. Yeah. So we learn early on that Fred like doesn't really take a lot of crap and he wants to like stand up against the man. And then he finds out that his paper that he's working at is getting bought by like a huge media conglomerate, which actually turns out to be a pretty major point still in the rest of the movie. So that wasn't just like a one-off. Mm -hmm. And you know, he calls his boy who's like, yo, I have the corner office, bruh. Like if I want to leave work, I can leave work because I have a corner office. That's how I do things. And like automatically just sets up like ride or die friendship. But like also that he calls him on his crap because there was a few times where Fred would go back and forth between like I quit and I got 
I got fired. Mm -hmm. And like Lance called him on it every time. Lied me some more, will you? <laughs> yeah. So, you know, they're drinking their what? Their, their whiskey and their LaCroix cans. And, and then they go off to start day drinking. And then in the middle of the day is a function where voice to men is killing it. Perfect. And it's all, apparently very bright there, which Seth Rogen's character also didn't get that reference. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's so key in these. Again, like there's a lot, there's so many aspects of this rom com that are like on paper, standard rom com, like get an obscure band to show up at event and make cameo. But they picked the perfect obscure band in Boys to Men, and they're like genuinely their comedic timing is like really well. And like I think Jonathan Levine, the director, does a good job of giving them a couple moments to really elevate the comedy, but not focus on it too much. Even like a I love Wedding Crashers, but Wedding Crashers with how much they focus on the band, it really takes away from like a lot of the other stuff going on at the wedding itself. And Boys to Men adds to it here. Like complete and I love Boys to Men. Boys to Men's great. Well yeah. no when the, like I'm sure Christina's about to talk about this, but when they go into the flashback, they go to it's so hard to say goodbye to yesterday. And it's just the perfect yes. song perfect for that song. scene. <laughs> well, yeah, because you didn't know. I didn't read the synopsis before um, I watched the movie. So I just went in just knowing basically from seeing the trailer from years ago. So I didn't know how they were going to meet. Like, I didn't know what their relationship was. So when you see them lock eyes, you know, to me, I'm looking like, obviously, you know, Charlize Theron is gorgeous. Why wouldn't you stare at her? But then to see her equally stare back at him. Uh -huh. It was like, all right, what's going on? And then you find out that, okay, he doesn't just find her attractive. He knows her yeah. from years ago. I won't bring it up yet. I'll wait for a little bit. No, it's a great, <laughs> it's a great point, though, is the, is the believability of a mutual connection has to be there. That's something that, as great as Knocked Up is, um, it really holds Knocked Up back. It's like Catherine Heigl and Seth Rogen really, like, it does hold it back for some people. Like, I still love it, but there is a little bit of a, like, you just got to kind of leap to this assumption here that she was drunk and, like, it's yeah. like, okay, I guess. But this is a much stronger basis for a romance. Yeah, so for those of you that don't know me very well, I am the big proprietor of There's No Way a Girl That Looks Like That will be with a guy that looks like that. And, again, since you guys can't see me, let me paint the picture for you. Like, I am a beautiful woman. Like, I look just like Catherine Heigl and sure <laughs> like so beautiful so like i can say that like as a beautiful woman like i just wouldn't and, and humble as well <laughs> really humble no but say this one only goes a long way yeah <laughs> but i will say this one was more believable because you have that past attraction and really what he liked about her was her mind Mm -hmm. And um, was something that he brought up very early on, which I think she was taken aback from because she's a woman in politics. And we also have that, you know, with the news stations only talking about her appearance. Be like, ha, 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 she's a woman. So obviously we're going to talk about how beautiful she is. And like pretty much yeah, calling yeah. out their sexism for what it is. And you see her colleagues, how they treat her, how the guy with the fake laugh, like everybody is a creep to her or trying to make her a certain image that, mm -hmm. you know, is portrayed by the male gaze essentially of like what a woman in power is supposed to do or look like or be with like it's just like things that like a guy doesn't have to seem to talk about in the same but it's not like hammered over the head it's just presented very matter-of-factly in this movie yeah that whole montage where she's doing all the interviews and then she just simply asked would you be asking a male candidate what they do like what they use for their hair care products or whatever right just little things like that just gotta remind you like yeah those comments are made to females all the time but i think the thing i love about most about when they first meet at that animal 
wildlife event, whatever, is that Fred kind of reminds her of the idealist nature that she used to have and how it's kind of been chipped away to the point that where she's at in life. And it kind of brings her back to like wanting to get back to that idealism and actually wanting to make a difference more so than playing the game, but also kind of balancing the both. I don't know. I just, I love the fact that he kind of reintroduces that and reminds her of how idealistic she used to be. Right. Because in the flashback scene, as told by Seth Rogen's character, he was 13. She was 16. She was his babysitter. She was reading her speech to run for student council president. And he goes in to kiss her and he gets a 13 year old boner. (laughs) And that's like what he talks about, like a lot, like clearly very embarrassed. She tells him that it's okay, which is another reason why Lance is like an excellent best friend. Cause all Lance takes from that story is like, she said your boner was okay. Like she was into it. Like she said you had an okay boner. (laughs) And you're just like, dude, this guy is just going to hype Fred up no matter what. So like Seth Rogen's character is just like so embarrassed because he's like, I loved this girl. Yes, she's beautiful. Like I still have eyeballs, but like she believed in everything and she winds up losing the election because the guy that ran against her wanted to have two proms and that kind of- Two prom platform. Right, right. (laughs) But it also parallels with what happens in politics now where it's like the person that comes in with a really great idea is just going to get overrun by like the crappy idea that's quote unquote more popular. So mm-hmm. like you, you're constantly just getting run down on like what actually matters because other people are just going to step on that. So security comes, asks Fred to go talk to her, and then they finally meet again. And then after after he falls down the stairs, and you know, boys <laughs> to men are like, oh, "Crack is okay." <laughs> Crack it down. <laughs> That was a brutal fall, too. Yeah, that was a brutal fall. So I'm like, man, Seth Rogen is getting, like, beat up in this movie. Yeah. Um, yeah, so Charlotte discovers that Fred's actually a really great writer and wants to bring him on the team because now she's running for president. Yep. So yeah. she needs a punch up writer and he's funny. He is funny. And then part of their relationship grows because again, he knows her. He knows her ideals and he knows her feelings. And he, you know, he sees more to her than just what meets the eye. Yeah. And she sees more to him than what meets the eye. Like Absolutely. it's a it is a it's a very mutual admiration through this movie. And I think it's more through the perspective of Seth Rogan's character, the affection. So we see more of it. But I mean, there's like and we're jumping around a little bit, and that's just kind of what this is about. But I really love the helicopter scene when he's freaking on the helicopter and she just gazes over at, yeah, and she just gazes over at him. And like that connection when you're with someone who really starts to like you and get you and like such a genuine moment there and like seeing her advisor realize it, it's just like, it's just like so against him. It's like, you got, I love a love story that is where they don't care about what anybody thinks. It's like about what they think about it more. And it's just like, then the kind of con conflict of that throughout the kind of second half of the movie of will they won't they I thought it was like just really really genuine and I love that that was one of my favorite moments and just in the helicopter that little kind of scene before I just yeah. like that one of my favorite moments I'm pretty sure Christine's about to get to this is when Fred and Lance are in the deli and he gets the call from the assistant to get picked yep. up to go see Charlotte and <laughs> Lance is just kind of losing his mind as uh as Seth does the whole like talk and explain to like let him know just yeah. little things in that scene just ah oh, perfection yeah it's pretty great there's just all sorts of amazing you know when she first takes him to the event and like he's, he's like oh is 
a sedate is it not he's wearing a tuxedo i just like got like roman holiday vibes but like the reverse of the genders there where it's like he like seth rogan's getting like princess treatment because of charlize theron and like her position as like a powerful woman here like she's like oh let me show you this event let me get you a tuxedo like you know all this yeah there's well, a, she did owe him there was a line used in the trailer where lance says it's pretty woman except you're julia roberts and she's richard Gere." they didn't use it in the movie and that's one of my biggest pet peeves with trailers so, is when they yeah. use scenes or lines that don't actually show up in the movie i know that i mean that's so on the nose i'm almost yeah. glad they kept it out of the movie because that would have taken away from because that is what yeah. this was and it was and it was showing not telling like mm-hmm. throughout the movie with a, with its affections with torn priorities of both characters and what they want for themselves and moving on with yeah. like with the meta you know statements about like fox news i love the fox news guy who's just like exactly like steve Ducey. like exactly they didn't try to hide it at all it was just like i just love the unsubtle things don't need subtlety sometimes and fox news is like as unsubtle as it gets so it's like just I loved it. Yeah, I love this movie. It was great. Sorry to keep distracting. That's <laughs> what I'm here for. Well, we go through our montage, right, where they're traveling to all the different countries, and you kind of start to see them connect. And then were they in were they in Russia when they when the explosions were going off? Like that? No, was, like, I believe the they were in the Philippines. Okay. So they're hanging out, right? The bomb goes off and they're being shot at. And that's where it's like, oh my God, we need to get out of here. And that's where the movie starts to take a turn where they really, you know, we saw this montage. We see their building connection, their, you know, their budding romance, but nothing was ever escalated until they get to the near death experience. (laughs) <laughs> and then they're in like what like the boiler room of the hotel or like yeah i will say the one scene where like some of the ceiling had fallen down on some secret service agents and then it's like a slow motion of them carrying the two secret service agents out for like maybe 10 feet until they run into other secret service agents and just drop them to the floor yeah. I'm like that they could have pulled that part out of the movie i would have been okay with that but, yeah, they're like heroes, like you're on my back, and then for like a whole like thirty seconds, and then yeah, then, then it's down to the boiler room or the basement or whatever. Yeah, so they're in the boiler room, and they realize that they have this unspoken connection, and now I guess it is spoken, and they finally kiss, and then everybody is saved, and they, you know, they do the like, I'll meet you in the room, like there's a phone call, like, you know what I mean, some <laughs> random thing, and they finally, the right and they finally do it. <sighs> And it's magical. Are you taking your pants off? Take your pants off. Take your pants off, Esther. Like, I just leave it. What I kind of liked about that is like every time in movies, it's like this big romantic thing with like the matching bra and panties, and like you slowly like that's not how people do it, man. Sometimes you just take your pants off and bang it out, like you know, like she couldn't get her shirt off, and it was like fine, whatever, just leave it on. Like sometimes, yeah, not smoothness is a requirement for most of my sexual acts, so I'll say that out loud. But like sometimes it's just like it's, it's not the most, it's, like, it's real. Right. right. Yeah. It's not the most romantic out of a movie scene. Like that's sometimes just how it is. And mm-hmm. I'll give a little more TMI here. If you've had a long affection for a person and you've finally been able to get to the point to seal the deal with them, you are not gonna have your wits together that for you just aren't. Yeah. Like and it's gonna I mean, if it doesn't matter to you, you didn't like her to begin with. So I mean like this. Just seen Ray very 
true like the rest of the movie and this is just a spot where a lot of these movies go completely divert off the deep end and just like afterwards when like he's like i've been having sex with her i'm i'm more confused than you are like it's just like it's perfect like it's just like yeah i love that feeling of being confused about how i got with a person i was with too like it's a great feeling of romance yeah that scene the next morning where he's just like out on the beach just kind of staring at the ocean and he sees oh one of the secret God. service agents i love that agent like, would you mind not telling anyone about this and secret <laughs> service I, they wouldn't believe me if i did <laughs> he just had it yeah he just had his little pants hiked up too he was just like hanging on the sand like i love that secret service oh. agent mm. i really liked agent m yeah agent m and tom was it is tom the guy played by robbie patel or tim yes. i'm not like mm-hmm. he was start like, the schedule yeah yes. i wish he would have been in the movie a little more because whenever he was i was just like he is just like <laughs> making me laugh the the side character is such a key of any romance rom-com movie mm-hmm. like and they all show up to play they all show up to bat it's like <laughs> when uh when they're in sweden and they buy the traditional swedish suit for fred <laughs> yes, that whole scene oh my god i've laughed so hard especially at the very end when he's like you just stay here and make sure that no one from candyland needs their car park and fred's <laughs> like i don't know why you need a punch-up writer these are sick burns <laughs> Yeah, yeah, and that's why they owed him for the the tuxedo because he looked. <laughs> oh, okay, now Christina, will you agree that Seth Rogen rocked the shit out of that tuxedo? Will you I agree? will say that most men oh, look on. very nice in tuxedo. Uh-huh. <laughs> Another little detail I loved is when they noticed that Seth Rogen shaved his neck. Because once again, I realized that all Seth Rogen and I have to do to look presentable is shave our necks. Like <laughs> We look like at least 30% better. And I was just like, I love you, Seth Rogen. Like, he's like, yeah, I just shaved my neck. She's like, it looks good. Looks like, like I've had that multiple times, that conversation with women where they've been like, something's different. I'm like, I shave my neck. Like, it's... <laughs> Not proud of it, but it's yeah. true. I mean, Seth Rogen does not do it for me on like any level, but I will say him in the tuxedo is the best he's ever looked. I think he has potential, but I feel like in his movie roles, they always just make him look like a little disheveled and like he hasn't showered in a while. And I don't know why they always do that. Like even when he's in a tux, like he still looked like he was like woke up after like a three day bender and was like, I'm gonna put a tux on. Like so it, I just it, take it's it a vibe. It. It's a vibe. It's a vibe. I just like, and it's fine. It can be anybody else's vibe. It's a vibe that's like I'm not doing. So yeah, you like more. You like more upkept, like together. Yeah. You know. Yeah, we've seen Anthony's been right. quaffed. Yeah, we've seen. You, we've have, seen, you seen <laughs> you, have you seen what I do do? So like, I'm good. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> I don't need Seth Rogen. <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> I'm getting defensive here. <laughs> I just feel defensive. <laughs> I feel like you're calling me ugly right now. I'm not calling you ugly. I don't think you look like Seth Rogen. You're the one that thinks you look like (laughs) Seth Rogen. I don't think I do. I think there's just like a presence that I hope I have that Seth. Anyways, where were we? All right, so now they're they're doing it frequently. They're a thing. There they're an item. You know, the her secretary, her assistant is not down for it. You know, shows her like the pictures. Like if Princess Diana was with Guy Fieri, like that's yeah. it. Um, you that's know, hard, so man. was being like pretty upfront about it. And then is the next part where uh Lance and Fred have the conversation about um Lance, Lance being a Republican? Uh I believe so. Yeah. That part I thought was so funny. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm down with the GOP and GOD. <laughs> but Peggy, you know this movie better than me, so you probably have lots of thoughts on that scene. 
I just love the line, I'm racist, you're a Republican. I don't know what the fuck is going on. Yeah. yeah. Oh, you you go to church? Like, you're, you're a Christian? Why do you think I'm wearing this cross? Oh, I that, just thought it was a cultural thing. I'm like, oh my that, God. Yeah, that's another reason why I love the character of Lance, because doesn't let that shit get in between their friendship, no matter what their differences are. He's like, you're my boy. I love you for who you are. Mm-hmm. And you should be loving me for who I am. You just haven't freaking noticed any of these details about me for some reason. And he calls him out on his shit. But, you know, and then I just love it. Ah, sorry. I can't not talk about Lance in this movie. I'm here for the spinoff of Lance. Like, you know, if if this is 40 is the spinoff of Knocked Up, I'm here for Lance having his spinoff of Longshot. Yeah. Which, may yeah. I say, I like that this is 40 better than Knocked Up. Ooh, that's a hot take. I like it, though. I'm a Knocked Up fan, but I haven't revisited in a long time. So I watched it like two days ago. Oh, nice. Yeah. Does it hold up? Did it ever hold up? <laughs> you just got a whole Seth Rogen binge there? Yes, always held up. When Seth Rogen calls the gynecologist and like curses him out, it's still my favorite part. It's still laugh out loud funny. But like yeah. honestly, I don't need to watch any other part of the movie except for that. It just, you just so it. don't buy it. You just yeah. so don't believe it. I just it. I cannot get into it. There's no, there's nothing about that movie is believable on any level. But anyway, I digress because we're now in a movie that is believable because clearly they have this connection. She's really into the fact that he's into her for more than just how she looks. Um, And then like they get to the the part where she talks about how she doesn't do drugs because you know god forbid something happens and now she wants to go what smoke a molly i believe is the what she uses <laughs> yeah. it's like we don't smoke uh molly <laughs> yeah. so they quote unquote smoke the molly and go out <laughs> and they're loving life mm-hmm. and living the dream and it's like man i just did anybody else like in like in 2021 right now just like miss clubs so much and like yeah. i haven't been to a club in so long it's just every time i see anything that's not allowed right now i miss it so even yeah. though i hated clubs when they're open and every time i was at one i just wanted to leave yeah i missed i missed like going and wanting to leave a club but i miss concerts i miss all i miss going to dinner with people like all of it yeah and yeah. every time i see it in movies it's just like a harsh reminder of it but i also don't want to watch a bunch of movies where like everybody's in mass and sitting in their house talking on computer screens either no uh the scene at the club my favorite line from that was drugs love a jaw <laughs> her jaw already i just laughed so hard at that one and then just the one tiny little cut scene where seth has the sequin pillow and he goes no and he throws it away just that choice I loved it. So they're at the club flying high and she gets the tap on her shoulder that like something has gone down. And then it's like, like immediate dread of like the thing I warned you about happening is totally happening. So now she's like walking in her crazy, like rave outfit with her sunglasses on. Oh yes. I really feel like we need to handle this immediately. Like she can't like keep it together. And now she has to go negotiate with terrorists. Very difficult to do on ecstasy. Very difficult. But she keep but I think the thing that I loved about her character is you expect politicians to act a certain way. And I love when she just like snapped out of it and just kept it real. Like, you know what? I agree with you. I also think the president's a dick. Like, hey, let's break it down. Like, how are we gonna handle this? He sucks, you think he sucks, I think he sucks. You know, let's stop the political talk and let's just like cut the deal here. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, man, I kind of wish like that's how things would happen instead of everybody just BSing each other constantly. Cause you know, note to sell yeah. everyone, people don't like being BSed. <laughs> 
hurts you more if you're just blunt and honest, I think. Yeah, I, again, I think like a lot of this is a response to the administration that was in office at the time this movie was being made. They Maybe that administration even viewed themselves as kind of no bullshitting in the same way. And this is just kind of the opposite side of it. And it's nice to kind of see both sides represented in how they feel that is presented in the movie. I, this movie is very clear in its political leanings, and I don't mind that at all. I don't think that's a problem, but well, I think, you know. Talking about political leanings in this movie, we have yet to touch on the fact that Andy Sedaris is in here playing Parker Wembley, almost unrecognizable as the Parker Wembley character. He's more recognizable as Caesar from Planet of the Apes than he is as Parker <laughs> Wembley. Like, I am literally aghast, I, because I knew he was in this movie, mm-hmm. I just knew the cast general, I was waiting for him to show up. Then the movie got over, and I was like, played that Parker, no way. Unbelievable. <laughs> he is such a great actor. He's a chameleon. Just, like, absolute chameleon. He is, I couldn't believe, did you know that was Andy Sedaris? Did you know right away, watching this movie the first time? That was I, Andy I figured that was him. I just knew the fake nose was not my favorite choice of prosthetics. <laughs> it was a little fakeish well, looking. Yeah. So that kind of tipped me off that that was him. But yeah, it's still unrecognizable. That's crazy. What about you, Christina? Did you oh, know? No, I had no, no, I had no idea. Yeah. Do you no. know who Andy Circus is? Yes, I do. Let's say Andy Sedaris. God damn it, Bill. <laughs> I, might have said, I might have also said Andy Sedaris. So. <laughs> Andy Sedaris is not in this. Andy Sedaris, I don't know what he looks like. Andy Circus, I know what he looked like. No, he was unrecognizable. (laughs) (laughs) But I would also like to point out that after she makes the deal, saves the guy, and then she's doing like her press conferences, like in the back posing, like dude, I just I relate to him so much. I would do that. I've done that. But that's my woman, you know. Like she just handled that. (laughs) Saving people from terrorists. What up? Yeah. He's so hyped for. He always is, both publicly and privately. Mm-hmm. I think that's like one of the best qualities of Seth Rogen's character in this movie. And just like it adds up to why Lance is his best friend. It's just like that positivity really radiates around those guys. All right. So then we get to the part where basically Parker Wembley, who apparently is either Andy Circus or uh, Andy Circus, we don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Basically, um, wants her to cut cut a huge part out of her environmental deal. That's been like a huge proponent of this movie. One of the things that uh, Seth Rogen's character, Fred, called her out on was like, you know, are you really going to do the thing like that you say you're going to do? Or is this going to be like some sort of bullshit where like you don't wind up doing it? Mm-hmm. And that's been, like his whole thing. Of, like if you're a politician and you say you're doing something, you should do it. So then we get to the part where the president has been working with Parker Wembley, who was like the huge media conglomerate from the beginning of the movie. And they present Charlotte with the ultimatum of like, here's the deal. You either cut cut the part out of out of the bill that hurts my business or we're going to release footage of your boyfriend because we hacked into his webcam and there's like very sensitive information about him on there. He's like taking a poop. He's, you know, whacking it and just like, which I'm also like, oh my God, people can just like hack into long games. This is why we shut our computers, ladies and gentlemen. But yeah, so like really private stuff. And then she decides that like, you know, she's going to protect him because she loves him. And then she cuts out the trees, part of the bill. And like, that was like a big defining moment because he was like, no, like this is, you shouldn't have picked me. Like you should have still stuck by what you wanted to do and she says that she's trying to compromise for a greater goal she says something like ah to the effect of like why are you doing that because you're a woman he's, she's like yeah motherfucker and he's yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah like sorry i asked <laughs> no you're right that makes sense yeah so we get to the point where they just eventually decide to like part ways and he doesn't agree with her you know hers she's seeing the bigger picture of like if i can get to become president then you know i don't have to deal with things like this and then we can you know you know in a couple years we can work on this again like we have to take 
the loss now kind of thing mm -hmm. for the greater good. He's not falling for it. So then it's time for her to give her speech where she's announcing her presidency and she decides halfway through that like, you know, she's going to cut the crap. You know, she's going to say how she feels. And again, Lance being like the greatest best friend ever with Fred in the bar is like, let's go, man. Like, you got to get to her. We got to do this. And I'm like, you know, typical like rom-com moment where like the one character has to run through traffic and like race. You got to lean into there. the tropes sometimes. You got to right. lean into the tropes. Right. So you had to do like the final act of like, I'm coming to get you. I'm coming after you. Which was also one of the low-key funny parts where like Charlotte leaves and they're like, where is she? He's like, I don't know. It's not the schedule. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It, it, if you're going to do the tropes, all I ask is you make them genuine when you choose to lean into them. And I just, yeah, like I bought into it hook, line, and sinker here. I wish I was running through traffic for somebody in that moment, which is like exactly where you want to be as when you're viewing the character's perspective. It's just like really, really good performance by Seth and Charlize in this as well. If this movie didn't have the chemistry and the performances of those two, you're just, these moments are eye rolling, not smile inducing. So it makes all the difference, kind of the execution of these. Yeah, I loved it. This it, it works. Yeah, chemistry between the leads is key. I've seen some rom-coms where the script had potential, but like there's zero chemistry between the leads. Like they just signed them just because their names or whatever. Mm -hmm. Chemistry here was so important and it just elevated the movie for sure. This is definitely a movie I'll revisit. There's so many moments in it. I want to know what the experience is like the second time watching because the first time was great too, but it's like there's just all these moments I want to revisit already and just see mm -hmm. how they, you know, how they hit the second time. So it's time a great movie. Lance gets better and better. <laughs> And is it Agent M? Is that the secret? Is that the Secret Service agent? Yeah, Agent M. Yeah, Agent M is honestly one of the low key MVPs of the movie. Every time I laugh, that no matter what he said, it's just he has a comedic delivery that reminded me of and random. It's, yeah, it's, it's just in a look. I mean, half the time he's not even talking; he's just giving. That's, a look. And that's exactly why it, I was going to say it reminds me of the guy who sings "He's Your Queen to Be" in Coming to America, and how almost everything he does besides that just like is look. And hopefully he's back for the sequel because... Oh, he's there. He was in the trailer. Okay, well, the sequel... I, we won't talk about that. We're keeping it positive today. I hope to God I'm wrong on that sequel. Shall see. But to end the movie, Sorry. she becomes president. They get married. And he's the first mister. And they live happily ever after. Exciting times all around. Yeah. Good. I was just, I was just going to mention the we haven't mentioned the tattoo. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I yes, I did not mention the tattoo. Okay, those of you who haven't watched the movie, beginning of the movie when he's with the uh, white power supremacy Nazi group, whatever you want to call it, gets half of a swastika tattooed onto his arm. Later, he adds like a head and arms with mittens and little boots and makes it into a stick figure and names him Adolf Stickler, which then <laughs> in turn, when Charlotte becomes president, becomes the first Mister symbol of the United States. America, which I just thought was hilarious. Yeah, yeah it's a good use for that tattoo now. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that's great. Uh, and can we talk about the the portraits of the first spouses? Yes, yes. <laughs> <laughs> so he gets was Seth MacFarlane is the spawn, the creator of the spawn comics that does his portrait where he's yeah, yeah. like got an eagle on one arm and like holding a flag and his suits all torn up and just muscles rippling. And, uh, it's Todd McFarlane. It. Todd McFarlane. Todd McFarlane. Seth MacFarlane's the Family Guy. I cannot get names right today. I'm calling Andy Circus, Andy Sedaris. I'm calling Todd McFarlane. <laughs> Seth MacFarlane. Seth all these uh, all these changes would make the movie worse. So like, really, <laughs> yeah, they really made the good choices with the casting.
finishing of not going stainless <laughs> or with Seth MacFarlane. <laughs> We've been like a Family Guy character for the portrait instead of a, like a Spawn looking. I wouldn't, have, I wouldn't have minded that either. Yeah, I'm sure that was on. The, they're like, do we go Seth or Todd? <laughs> <laughs> Who's the better painter? Let's, let's have them paint. Do a paint off. Who cost less? Todd. <laughs> I, I'm not sure on that one. Yeah, I'm just All right. Any overall closing thoughts? Do you want to, or just get right into our ratings? Yeah, I think that I think we're ready for our ratings. We'll start with Peggy's rating. I'm just on the edge of my seat, waiting for what that could be. All right, I'm going five. Uh, five oh yeah, five. five, 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 five sorry, we got five stars. You can do half stars as well, but it's yeah, the letterbox rating system. Uh, on letterbox, I would have it at four and a half out of five stars. For me because okay. you know i love rom-coms it's my favorite genre this is a secret to absolutely no one i don't think anyone on the planet is like aware that i'm not a rom-com fan i have never to give anything five stars because okay. i don't think any movie is perfect mm -hmm. and this movie does have flaws but i adore it so yes four and a half stars for me okay christina what would uh, you <laughs> so i don't think this movie was actually all that great for someone that had a lot to say today I don't know how much I'm going to be like, oh, you know what I feel like watching today? Long shot. Like, yeah. I don't know if I would turn it off if it was on my TV, but I'm definitely not like searching for it. So I'm going to give it three and a half stars. Okay. Um, I, I think here's my thing. When I watch rom-coms, like I need to fall in love with the male lead. And like, I did not fall in love with him. That's okay. just where I am. I am picky. Listen, I am who I am, guys. I can't help it. I did. I did you guys not hear me earlier when I no dice. <laughs> when I said I looked just I was so beautiful. Like I, they can't see my face, so I can market myself as how as beautiful as I want to. So like yeah. my standards are very high. <laughs> um, but I will say I really, really loved what they did with with her character, just being that strong woman who kind of like no bullshit attitude. I just love how she talked. But yeah, so I liked it. I don't know if I need to like totally watch it again all the time. So three okay. and a half for me. That's still fair. Yeah, I'm kind of in between the two of you. And so I guess that makes gives me a four stars on this one. Um, yeah, and yeah. I really, really did like this movie. And four stars for me is very, very strong. I do tend to like movies that I watch, as cynical as I seem. I do tend to like movies or really hate them. So um, like I don't really give a lot of like threes or... Like it's like kind of one or four or four and a half. Like it's not quite that four and a half on my first watch. This is one I think that if I rewatch it, I could see myself rating it higher on a rewatch. I think there's a lot underneath the surface of this movie. And politically, I think it does a really good job of expressing its point of view while not seeming preachy. It's just like really big parts like that. And yeah, I just liked a lot of the a lot of the different locations they went to and the care just there wasn't any character in this movie that I disliked. So it's like hard for me to really hate on it yeah i look forward to rewatch it so four stars for me that gets us an average of somewhere in the four star range there we go yeah um so yeah this is again beating the blair witch project uh blair witch project is still the basement unfortunately my five star theory wasn't enough to bring up the ratings on the actual movie um and we still got one more part of the show left, and that's our recommendations for next week. Next week, we're out of the decades now as we've gone to 2010s, and we are going to, you know, be taking it down a few notches with a silent movies. I don't know, Christina, have you ever seen a silent movie? I have never. Time? I've never seen a silent film, so I'm very excited. I have gone to, like, the ballet, mm -hmm. so I'm going to say that this is going to be similar to that because, obviously, it's just dancing and there's no dialogue. It's yeah. music, so I'm going to say, 
say that I'm not going to hate it because I enjoy going to the ballet, but I've never seen a silent film. Yeah. And Peggy, I, do you have any experience with silent, any silent films? Not to my recollection. I don't think I have. Yeah. And I have only seen a few. I saw The Artist, um, the Oscar winning 2011 or whatever year it is. I saw that. It was okay. I also have seen Nosferatu, which we wouldn't have been picking anyways, but uh, it, it's a va- like one of the first vampire movies, and yeah. uh, like every every few every few scenes of like action, there'd be like a cue card that came up and explained yeah. everything, and it was just like it's like kind of weird. It was hard to get into, to be honest. So, um, and then I've seen a couple other ones too. Do you have any recommendations, Peggy? Otherwise, it's fine if you don't. You can just help us with the pick along. I do not. I did not come prepared with. Rec- recommendations but i will happily help you select your perfect perfect i have i have more than enough here from our fans as well as from myself and uh christina do you have any recommendations so Uh, i there is someone named brandy on twitter that we recently started following each other and she asks every day uh, like a movie topic and people give recommendations so i went on her thread and just stole what other people told her so thank you brandy for making that and the top three recommendations that i saw that were either mentioned a lot or were I thought were the most interesting to me were Metropolis, Modern Times, and I did pick Nosferatu because I know Anthony likes that. Okay, that's all right. Modern Times is one of the ones I've seen, but that hasn't eliminated ones before. And honestly, I didn't get it when I watched it. I was in high school and on illicit substances. So, um, <laughs> allegedly, uh, Nosferatu. Okay, so my I have a few as well. M- Metropolis was one of mine. I've been dying to see that. You see this kind of the stills of it. It looks really, really creative, like a futuristic story from 100 years ago. It would be really interesting, I think, to kind of watch and see what the ideas were from that kind of time period. The next one comes from my brother, Zach Brooks. He'll make an appearance on here at some point. He suggested Safety Last. It's a movie from 1923. Most of these movies are from the 20s. So we are going to probably have our oldest movie from this list come from this week. And I'm really excited for that, actually. But Safety Last has been described to me by my brother as hilarious. Now, here's the preface. Me and my brother have very different senses of humors. So either it could be a podcast of hearing how I don't find what my brother found funny, or it could be me. But that could be really interesting. But it's got a really famous gif of of the guy hanging off the clock. You've probably seen it but a lot of these silent movies i realize have like gifts that are like memes that made them famous and like maybe all of these actually so safety last i've heard very very funny harold lloyd's in it we hear a lot about buster keaton and charlie chaplin i don't quite hear as much about harold lloyd but i'm also very uneducated on the subject my next one is silent movie it's from 1976 it's the oldest one on my list it's a mel brooks movie i don't know if you've seen any mel brooks movies christina i mean not off the top of my head okay like, uh, okay well i'm a big mel brooks fan uh grew robin up with men tights, space, balls, nothing. space balls yep he was space balls uh he was robin hood men tights yeah he's <laughs> But yeah, it's 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 uh, it's definitely an homage to silent films, and it completely uh, sticks to the premise. Um, The last few I'll go through quicker here. The General Buster Keaton was suggested by Tony, as well as a few other people. I saw it mentioned three or four times actually, so seems to be one a lot of people like. Girl Shy was one that I found that seemed interesting. I think Peggy may want to pick as hers. Um, It was kind of the first rom com. It's (gasps) coined. It's from 1924. I don't know a lot else about it, but I didn't want to look too far into it. But 
yeah, it's available on the Criterion channel as well as on YouTube, I believe. So, and most of these movies are available either through YouTube or a streaming service. Um, the next one is Strike, which I had a recommendation from, I believe from Billy, if I had that wrong, sorry. Um, but uh, Strike is basically about uh, miners who go on, uh, go on a union strike and uh, then they're violently met with oppression. And this is from 1925. So interesting story. Those are mine. So we'll let our guests go first. Did I sell you on Girl Shy? If I had, well, yeah, if I had to narrow it down to my, my top three out of those suggestions, yeah. Girl Shy is on there. Metropolis, because it sounded interesting that it was like a futuristic movie, but it was made back way back when. And when you were talking about Strike, I was trying to predict what that was going to be about. I'm like, ooh, probably baseball. And then you said minors. I'm like, okay, it's definitely baseball. Then you're like, <laughs> Union Strike. Like, damn it. <laughs> so yeah. those are my three. Great. Okay. So we got Girl Shy, Strike, and Metropolis. How about you, uh, Christina? You can pick. One or a few if you want to. Um, yeah, so obviously I also like rom-coms, so that would be a fun one to watch. The Metropolis just came highly recommended on that Twitter feed. But, you know, I've never seen a silent movie. So to see a silent movie with Charlie Chaplin, I feel like it's something you have to do, mm -hmm. um, which makes me lean a little bit more towards modern times. Okay. So you got modern times. I'm going to let Peggy go ahead and add all three of those. And um, I'm also going to I'm also going to go with Metropolis here. It is the most mainstream movie other than maybe Nosferatu on this list. I do think that there could be a lot to talk about. I think this could be a good starting point also for silent movies. It's always brought up as one of kind of the foundational silent films. And yeah, it's, I think that this week I'm going to be able to get a few of these in. Girl Shy, for example, is an hour and 10 minutes. So a lot of these silent films are an hour or so. So I'm, I'm looking to get a few of these in. Strike is 80 minutes. And the reason I really like Strike is that Strike, Battleship Potemkin is my favorite silent movie of all time. Uh, I just saw it this year for the first time. And that movie was a propaganda like Russian Navy film. And this is by the same director. I don't know his first, first name, but his last name's Einstein. And Strike is described as a more entertaining, more artfully done Battleship Potemkin. So honestly, I'm talking out both sides of my mouth here, but I really like all of Peggy's suggestions. So I'm just going to triple down on those. So we got, I think we're going to decide between Peggy's three here and we're going to go shy, girl shy, strike or metropolis. I, I'd suggest watching modern times as well just for your own research, but I think we're going to strike that one and go with these three. So now out of those three, you got to make your pick Peggy. Well, you know what? I think I say you guys go metropolis. Okay. We got one for Metropolis. Is this going to be dramatic or are we going to have it decided here, Christina? What oh, is no, I'll plan? make it dramatic okay. because I like to do things like that. So I will say that Metropolis is two and a half hours long. Ooh, okay. Oh, okay. <laughs> and that is a long time for me to watch a movie with no sound or yeah. no talking. Uh -huh. um, so for my attention span, I'm going to pick Girl Shy. <laughs> wow, <laughs> that is, oh no. Okay. Well, I really, really like that argument. And only because I've never seen a silent movie before. So I, yeah, I know how I, I can get with other movies that if I'm not into it, if I want to go reach for my phone, then like I'm not into the movie. And, and I'm, I'm nervous that a two and a half hour silent film is going to make me feel that way. So not, not saying I would honest, never watch it, but to be honest, I haven't looked into exactly what Metropolis is about, but I do worry if it's a little more abstract than these other two choices. And I'm worried about you in the synopsis section for Metropolis. That could be a lot of work for you. That's just not fair. So actually, I'm going to go with Strike uh, because <laughs> I am really curious to see. I, I'm leaning more towards the epic than the story here with my silent movie. And 
I really, Battleship Potemkin blew me away, and I want to see more of this guy's work. So now Peggy gets to be the tiebreaker here. Does she choose the rom-com in Girls Shy? Or does she choose the fake baseball uh, movie that actually isn't a baseball movie? And, How about I choose the one right. of the two of you that I like more? Uh, well, then we're <laughs> going to go shy. So Girl congratulations. Shy <laughs> All right. Girl Shy is our selection for next week. Girl Shy is available on the Criterion channel. I believe it's also available on YouTube, but I'll double check that. But Girl Shy is our choice. And uh, Girl Shy, is, I'm totally excited to see. It's going to be our second rom-com in a week here. So uh, we're hey, in, in two weeks. So Valentine's Day is coming up. It's all about love. Exactly. Oh, yeah. And uh, yeah, I'm, I'm excited to I'm excited to see this one. I'm also going to check out Strike this week for my own list. Yeah, uh, I think I'm still going to try to do Metropolis. I just didn't want to commit to it as a conversation piece. If No, I think, I think that was actually really good arguments to be made against that. To be honest, so um, I think to have our first, you know, or my even my first handful of silent movies to have it be a two and a half hour that we have to discuss and make palatable, I think it's a good choice. So, Girl Shy is our selection. 1924's Girl Shy. That will bring us to the end of the podcast here for week six of Digesting Cinema with Aaron and Christina, and today our special guest Peggy Gubbins. Before we take off, Peggy, is there? Do you have any media obligations this week or anything that people are going to be able to see your face on or maybe a particular fantasy uh, show? <laughs> yes, over on Featured Presentation Productions. I have a weekly show on Wednesdays at 5 p.m. Central Time called yep. Fantasy Film Fights. It is a show where we take a random film topic and we draft it fantasy style. This week, in honor of Valentine's Day, we are drafting our favorite movie couples. Oh, that's going to be so fun. Yeah, everybody's always, you know, uh, always available to be a part of that. You can get a hold of Peggy on her Twitter. And what's your Twitter? At Peggy B-Ball across all social media platforms. I have had that handle since the days of AIM. Yes. Yeah, you know, much less embarrassing than my aim name of X Factor 615. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, yeah. Uh, but my Twitter is Aaron J A Y Brooks. If you're ever looking to give me suggestions or interested in joining us on a future week, we are now in, we're allowing guests. So, if you have a movie or a subject you really love to talk about, we'd love to have you on. I will be reaching out to people as well. So, yeah, we're looking forward to having people on. But Aaron J A Y Brooks is where you can get a hold of me on Twitter. And also, if you have any questions about fantasy film fights, I'm also happy to answer those or anything with featured presentation productions, uh, which is the reason that this show exists. Christina, where can people find you? Uh, you guys can follow me on Twitter at, at Christina underscore VEE19. And yeah, hit me up there. Yep. That will do it for episode six of Digesting Cinema with Aaron and Christina. Everybody, keep digesting cinema out there and keep taking care of each other. Have a good one. Thanks for having me, guys. Anytime, girl. <laughs>